as we're continuing our series, which uh, we could call Forget Not His Benefits. We're going to be reading from Psalm 103, verses 1 through 4. And you should just about have it memorized. And if you can say it along with me, do so. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, we're in a series, as I just mentioned, called Forget Not All His Benefits. And so far, we've identified three benefits, three benefits that believers receive from God. Those are forgiveness, health, and redemption. And today we're going to keep on looking at the 103rd Psalm as we look at a fourth benefit And uh, that fourth benefit is we receive a crown. I don't know if you've ever looked at this psalm and really thought about the benefits of being a part of God's kingdom. There are benefits, as I've uh, shared with some of you, some of you haven't heard this, in in businesses, uh, many times uh, they offer benefits to their employees. And benefits are a wonderful thing. Well, there are benefits in the kingdom of God. And the one that we're looking at today is uh, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Now, the first thing that uh, you need to know is what does it mean that God crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies? And I want us to look at three questions this morning to answer that question. The first thing, what is a divine crown? And since it's from God, it is a divine crown. And a crown represents authority, doesn't it? And all authority is given by our creator, God. There is no authority in the world that has not come from him. It doesn't come from a position. It doesn't come from a title. Sometimes you may have discovered that there are people who are in positions of authority who really have no authority at all because God didn't give it to them. And sometimes you find yourself having to say, well, I'm going to respect the position, but it's really hard to respect that person. You know, there you have those times uh, where that happens and you can see that there's a distinction between just a title or a position and authority. And uh, in Matthew 7, 28 and 29, we read these words. And so it was. When Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Jesus walked in authority. Now, we need to remember he first came as a lamb. He uh, is first introduced to us. Behold, 
the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's the way John the Baptist introduced him. And then later he tells us, I am the good shepherd and my sheep know me and I know my sheep and they hear my voice and they follow me. He came first and he was the lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. And he is also a shepherd. In Matthew 28, 18, we see Jesus on the mount just before he ascends into heaven. And he tells his people, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go now and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Jesus also says in John 13, three through four, or he doesn't say, he shows us how to exercise our authority. Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from the supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And then he knelt before his disciples and he washed their feet. And then he gets up from there and he says, you call me teacher and I am, but you need to learn from this. You need to do like I do. You need to wash each other's feet. Just as Jesus walked humbly on this earth with authority given to him by God, God also wants us to walk humbly in authority. There, it seems that uh, the world is trying to make you think that you're just helpless, uh, that you have no authority in this world. But he has given us authority. He has crowned us. A crown represents authority. So why are we crowned? That's the next question. We are crowned. We are given authority to reign in this life over sin and death. Did you know that? You have authority to reign over sin and death. In Romans 5.21, Paul says, So that as sin reigned in death, so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then in Romans 5.17, he says, For if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So we have been given authority through Jesus Christ. Sin and death reigned over us until grace came. That's the testimony in my life. I was ruled by sin and death, thinking I was a self-made man, thinking I was just hot stuff. And then I realized 
I was nothing. And I realized that I was being controlled by everybody around me. Uh, that uh, I was trying to please several different groups of people wearing different masks in each group that I was in. And I didn't even really know who I was until I came to the cross. And the Lord gave me the opportunity to be the real me, the me that he created me to me to be. And it seems like the real Joel has been emerging for many, many, many years now. But uh, we receive a crane, a crown to reign over sin and death. I can remember one time in futility back in the sinful era, really sinful era of my life, just sitting there thinking, why is it that everything I think is going to make a life worth living is killing me? It kills brain cells. It kills relationships. That's just it. The thief comes but to kill and to steal and to destroy. He came that we might have life and have it abundantly. That plays out in the life of everyone who receives Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We don't have to continue in sin, but uh, we can be given the power to rule and reign over it. And Revelation, uh, let's see, so we reign uh, by receiving an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And that's right standing with God every day. And uh, it's not a once one time thing, is it? We stumble. We need forgiveness. And uh, communion Sunday is a great time to begin again. We reign by receiving an abundance. In Revelation 5.10, it says, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. So Revelation 5.10 is telling us that we were made kings and priests. Did you know you were a king and a priest? This might sound weird to you ladies that you're a king, but uh, you're kings and priests. Kings reign. Priests connect people to God. That's what we're supposed to be about once we've come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. You become a king and a priest. You become one who reigns and one who relates and connects others to God. God wants us to reign over sin and death in this life and then help other people to reign over sin and death. And to help other people out of pits that once you were in and to move on in life with him. So we know why we were crowned. We were crowned to reign. We were crowned to connect other people with God. So what are we crowned with? This is the last question to answer today. God crowns us and surrounds us with loving kindness and tender mercy, loving kindness. In Hebrew, the word loving kindness is chesed. It's kind of like you clear your throat at the beginning of it when you say chesed. And uh, it's, if you're going to spell it in English, it'd be C-H-E-S-E-D, chesed. And, uh, but it, 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 it's, it comes from a camel raising term. 
You see, whenever uh, a baby camel got to a certain point, it was, it had to be weaned from its mama. And the way that they would do that, they would put the mama camel in a rope enclosure and uh, separate her from her baby. And mama camels love their babies and they want to be close to their babies. And so the mama candle would just lean against these rope restraints and make a woeful sound that's kind of like... And that was a mournful sound of a mom longing to be near her child. And it's from that word that loving kindness comes from. And it depicts the loving kindness that God has for each one of us. God crowns us and he surrounds us with loving kindness and tender mercy. Our God is a merciful God. He's so merciful that, you know, even his seat is called the mercy seat. That's how merciful he is. David used the phrase loving kindness and tender mercies a lot because he understood that he had received an abundance of both. He acknowledged it and he was grateful for it. He cherished and loved the relationship that God had granted him to have with him and uh, the authority given to him by God. And he knew it didn't come from anywhere else. He reflects it over and over again. We read it uh, today in Psalm 103, 4, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Then in Psalm 25, 6, he says, Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness, for they are from of old. And then in Psalm 40, verse 11, Do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. And then... Psalm 51, 1, a psalm uh, that was written by David after he had been confronted by Nathan about his uh, adultery with Bathsheba. And uh, he says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. David treasured his loving kindness. In fact, there's another place where he says, thy loving kindness is better than life. And once you've come to know God's love, and as John Wesley talks about it being shed abroad in your heart, you don't want to be apart from it. And that's why David says over and over again, hide not your face from me. I want to be in a right and a warm and right relationship with you. Well, this is Communion Sunday. It's the Sunday where we remember the great gift that is ours from God through His Son and the great sacrifice that Jesus made so that we could really know the benefits of being crowned with loving kindness and tender mercies. 
I want you to think about this hard this morning as we come to the communion table. I'm going to go through it briefly, then I'm going to go through it another way. I want to make sure that you get this. Here's the summary. God took the crown off his son and he put it on us. He took the crown that was meant for us and he put it on his son. I want to read through Mark 15, 16 through 20. And as I read these words this morning, I pray that you will hear them uh, as if it's the first time you have read it. And just picture it in your heart and remember that this was for you. Then the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium. And they called together the whole garrison. And they clothed him with purple. And they twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. Then they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him. And bowing the knee, they worshiped him. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple off him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. God took the crown that was meant for us, which is that crown of thorns, and had it placed on Jesus' head. He wore our crown, and the soldiers beat it into his head. He took the crown of his son and placed it on your head, a crown you don't deserve, a crown we could never earn, The only reason why he gives it to us is because of his loving kindness and his tender mercies. Let's look at John 3.16 through a little bit different filter this morning. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Do you see? Because of his loving kindness, because of his chesed, because He longed to be near his children that he had been separated from. For God so loved the world, because of God's loving kindness and tender mercies, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, that means whosoever trusts him and believes the words that he says, And remember, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. There's no other way. To believe in him is to believe that this is the only way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. When Jesus hung on the cross... There was a moment when he cried out, Eloi, Eloi, Sabathani, which translated means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think that it was at that moment that that exchange of crowns took place. God took the crown from his son, a crown of loving kindness and tender mercy. 
If you've walked and lived and loved in his tender mercy, and then it's taken from you, it would be like your very guts had been pulled out. And so Jesus cries out, he's been forsaken. The loving kindness and tender mercy is not there anymore because God had removed it from him to give to you. In order to do that, he had to take your crown, the punishment, all the separation from God that came through our sin. And he placed it on his son's head. And in that moment, we were made whole if we will receive it. We're reminded every time we take communion that the crown we wear is not our own. It's been granted to us by God because of his loving kindness and tender mercy. And because of that, knowing we're not worthy of that crown, we should be trying to walk being worthy of his loving kindness and tender mercy and showing that loving kindness and tender mercy to those around us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.